Welcome to the Chicago Golf Report Podcast, brought to you by ChicagoGolfReport.com, covering everything golf in Chicago. Our guest this episode is PGA professional Todd Soans of White Deer Run Golf Club in Vernon Hills. Todd is one of Golf Digest's top 50 golf instructors in America and is a two-time recipient of the Illinois PGA Teacher of the Year Award. You can learn more about Todd at ToddSoans.com. Well, I actually started in the business. I actually turned professional and, and entered the PGA Apprentice program when I was 18. I was still in high school because um, I just decided at an early age, I just knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a golf professional at a club and teaching golf because um, I was just one of those kids that grew up around the golf course. I mean, I was working you know, around the golf course, first finding golf balls and caddying, cleaning clubs, just the whole thing. So I've never – I've always been around golf. And um, – so I made that decision when I was still in high school. I think I was 16 when I decided that's what I wanted to do. And so, uh, you know, as I, I, entered, I entered the PGA Apprentice Program, and I worked in New York, upstate New York, for one season, which is where I grew up, outside of Rochester. And then I actually went through my apprenticeship in Houston, Texas. And um, I was there five years. And then from there, I came to work for Hubby Havjan at the Unwincia Club in 1986. That's what brought me to Chicago. Um, you know, and then from there I worked for Hubby for five years, and then I was the director of golf at Conway Farms in Lake Forest through 97, and then I started my school in 97 and have been at White Deer Golf Club since. And I think it was while you were at uh, Conway, I think you were the, one of the, was it Illinois PGA Teacher of the Year? Yeah, I mean, a number of things happened. I mean, the first thing, um, yeah, I was Teacher of the Year twice, 94 and 96 for the section, Illinois section, Teacher of the Year. And in 96, they started, um, Golf Magazine started the first top 100 list, you know, teachers, top 100 teachers in the country. And I was fortunate to be put on that list. I was actually the youngest guy to ever be put on that list. I was only 34 at the time. And um, I've been fortunate that I've remained on that list, you know, currently. And, um, you know, so it's been 18 years that I've been on that list. I think there's only six or seven guys from the original list that are still on it. So I feel fortunate to be still, you know, considered on that list. So when you, you like you said, you came up with the idea that this is really what I want to kind of spend my life doing, and you had this passion for um, becoming a PGA teaching professional. Um, so you've had, obviously, a, a lot of time in between to kind of create your philosophy on, you know, not only um, – you know, golf and, and the golf swing and golf instruction, but what kind of is, uh, what would you say is the backbone of that philosophy, you know, about teaching in the game of golf? I mean, what's the, what do you try to uh, accomplish each time you meet, you know, a new person that you're going to be working with? You know, the biggest thing that I've learned, and now I've, you know, I've literally been teaching golf 34 years, um, and I, I've given probably in the neighborhood of 50,000 golf lessons to thousands of people, you know, when you add all that up. And what that whole experience has taught me is that it's completely individual. There's just no method that's right for one player, you know. So you take, like, stack and tilt or one plane, different um, methods. And if, if, a me- if a teacher's a method teacher, he's going to help some people if they have a disposition that works with that method. But I try to never make everybody look the same. I think you take each individual and look at what they're doing and how they do it and how their body works and build their golf, their personal golf swing for them. 
And, and the other thing that defines my teaching is that I, I believe completely in holistic teaching. I think one of the critical mistakes that we make um, in the industry is that people stand on the range and they pound golf balls, in, both in lessons and in practice. And I look, at, I look at improving people in four aspects. I mean, one is obviously the full swing and helping people to define their full swing and, and how to best strike the golf ball. But then there's putting. That's 40% of your career, and I've known for you know spending a lot of time on, on uh, players putting. And the short game is from the edge of the green to less than your full sand wedge. That's 30% of your score. And then the fourth thing is on-course strategy and management. And so I think that people need to really work on those four parts, putting, short game, full swing, and on-course strategy and management, shot making, if they're ever going to play golf to the – to their potential and score to their potential and really enjoy what they're doing. I mean, it's really fun when you can change someone's score. A guy who shoots 90 and, you know, you can help him to shoot 85 and then 82. I mean, that gets exciting for that player. So you've certainly made an impact on one of those components, which is putting. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, and I think one of the things that you've come known for is the importance of uh, putter fitting. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the importance of you know finding the right putter and how uh, the majority of golfers go about it the wrong way. Yeah, I, I think the industry is educating people. We haven't helped the consumer, I'll put it that way. And the reason I became so um, focused on putter fitting is just because so many people don't have putters that fit them. And if you understand how the length of the putter affects the player, I mean, no one could can really justify. In other words. You know, if a putter's too long for a player, they're going to set up too tall, or their arms are going to get stuck into their body, they're going to set up too far from the golf ball. And the worse the setup, the worse the stroke. So, so many people don't even have a chance to develop a good putting stroke, fundamentally, because their setup is so poor, but their setup is so poor because the putter doesn't fit them. So I always work backwards. I mean, if you take it, I actually just did some videos this morning on putting, and um if you, I've spent enough time with tour players to tell you that the best players, their heads and their minds are clear when they putt. They think about the hole because they're not focused on the mechanics because they roll the ball properly. Well, to roll the ball properly, you have to have a good setup, you know, because if you don't, then you're always going to be thinking about your stroke. And the putter's a part of the setup. So, I mean, if you teach putting the way I approach it, you can't really help someone if they've got the wrong tool in their hand. So, you know, that's why... I focus so much on fitting just because, you know, how can you make someone a better putter if they've got the wrong tool? Um, an analogy I like that makes sense to me is that if you walked into an optometrist's office and you couldn't see clearly and it was, you know, your performance of your eyes wasn't very good, everything was blurry, and, and that optometrist said, you know, I've got a rack of glasses up there, go find one that helps you see better. You know, we wouldn't accept that, you know, that we'd, you'd walk out of that office, right? So my point is that the way we've, um, you know, taught people to buy putters, I mean, you walk into a store and you just start trying putters till you find one that you think help, that helps you. You know, that's based on if you can make putter, putts, you know, on a green, you know, for a few minutes. And then you, you buy it hoping that it helps you. And I think the process needs to be much like buying a um a pair of glasses, you know, to see a professional, to get set up properly, to learn what length putter and what model putter and what design and what weight helps you to perform, and then make an educated decision and a purchase based on performance, not just randomness 
if that makes sense to you. Sure, definitely. I, you know, I would think that if there was a accreditation out there, I think you would definitely be uh, someone who's considered to have a PhD in putting with the people that you've worked with, the books that you've written about putting. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, and I don't know if this is your company, but the one that you're involved with is called Couture Golf. Um, is, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I actually started Couture Golf. Um, and I did it, I, I have two patents. I patented the method of fitting putters, and then I patented the tool that takes the measurement. Um, and then from that, um, on those patents, I started Couture Golf. And, you know, the whole thing, it's not a big company. It's very small. It's, it's for people that really want to get better, you know. I mean, most people don't want to take the time to figure it out. They want to go into a store and just try putters and get one that they hope helps them, which is why they buy, you know, putters every six months or a year. Um, and a lot of times I tell people, you know, if you get a custom putter that's done properly, you're never going to need another putter. And I, and I see that with the best players. You know, the best players, they get, a, they get a model that works for them. They may get forced into making a change because a company wants to sell putters. But ultimately, a guy like Ben Crenshaw or Brad Faxon, you know, the guys that have really performed well, they don't really mess around with their putter. It's like they have a great relationship with it. And so that's what Couture is about. It's about you know, professionally getting set up properly, getting a putter that really helps you, and then then you're done, you know, as far as, you know, a new putter all the time, which actually I think hurts people because they never develop the same feel or develop confidence. It takes confidence um, to develop in a putter because you need to see you need to see yourself make putts, and if you've done that over, you know, time, you shouldn't really change it. So with regard to that, then, is there a typical time frame? So say you have a, a, you're working with a student and they're, you know, they've gotten fit, they've got a, a putter that fits them, but they're still, maybe they're not comfortable, they're not, you know, seeing the results, maybe they even mentally they're not seeing themselves make these putts. Uh, how long for, does it, will you typically tell a, a student, you know, to keep working at it, to keep trying, don't give up, you know, is it is it kind of flexible with everybody or is it, is there typically kind of a growth curve where, you know, you're going to have to put some time in before you start to feel the results? I think the answer to that is yes, yes. In other words, you know, sometimes you have a student that's so bad fundamentally that they get fit and they get a lesson, they get set up better, and I mean they're just better just because they were so off before, right? Sometimes you work with a player, a player that's kind of learned to compensate, and they're okay their way, but they're not as good as they could be. And so that player has to take a little step backward and get used to the setup and the feel um, and the balance of the stroke and all those things. And it does take work. I mean, people don't really invest enough time and patience in working on their, on their um, putting, which is too bad because anytime I've got someone to really invest time in their putting and practice, it pays off and it pays, usually it pays huge dividends. I mean, a guy that's, you know, 18 handicap player, it's averaging 36, 35 putts around, and many players think they average 32 or 33, and when they add up the average, it's actually a lot higher. Well, if you get that player to truly average, you know, 31 or 32, you could drop their score. You know, that 18 handicap player could be a 14 just because he spends time on his putting. Well, that's, that's a pretty big percentage um, and improvement in his score. So since you have access to some of the top tour players you've worked with over the years, is there a story or stories that you could share uh, about how tour players approach their putting versus, um, you know, the traditional golfer in the city of Chicago? You know, somebody who 
you know, probably spends a little bit more time on, you know, swinging their driver than they would ever consider practicing putting. Is there a, do you see a big difference in terms of the uh, approach? Is it a mentality or what is it that, you know, would uh, a tour player uh, approaches putting versus the normal player would? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it helps that they, they make their living with their score, right? So, you know, you take a putter, a player who's on tour who's averaging, you know, 29.5 putts per round, and he drops to 28.5, which is just an average putter on tour, and he equates that one shot per round to the money list. I mean, it may make a million-dollar difference, literally, in a guy's earnings per year. Um, you know, two stories I would tell you that were kind of impactful for me is, you know, Hillary Lunke I worked with since she was a teenager, and, you know, she won the U.S. Open in 2003, and... Hillary's never been a great ball striker. I mean, she hit the ball short when she won the U.S. Open. She only drove the ball 218 yards. And, you know, in a playoff on Monday, she beat Annika and Angela Stanford, both driving the ball 260 yards, you know. So they're out driving her by 40 to 50 yards per hole, and she beat them on Monday, you know, in a full 18-hole playoff. And there's no doubt the reason why is because her short game and her putting. And the interesting thing about um, Hillary is that I was with her at the Keeper Classic three weeks before the U.S. Open, and she wasn't striking the ball that well, and we were working on some things with her full swing, and we, we kind of said, okay, here's the goal for the next three weeks, and trying to accomplish some of that work, but let's really pound it and really work on your short game and putting because the reality is you're not going to strike the ball you know, in three weeks as well as you want to and make the change you need to make to strike the ball out better, so let's Let's really develop and work on your touch and your short game. And then she's very smart. You know, so she, like on Sunday at the U.S. Open when, you know, she played very well, she scored very well, she missed every shot purposely to where she'd have easy up and downs. And so, I mean, she could really trust her short game and her putting, which made her ball striking better. And then another story was Steve Jones at the Tournament Players Championship. I was working with Steve um, I forget the year. Um, but anyway, he took the first-round lead on Thursday, and I was in there Sunday to work with a number of players, and I'd spent a lot of time with Steve on his putting and really worked on his setup and his pre-shot routine. And the whole goal was once he would look at the hole to, and come back to the ball and focus on the ball to let it go so that he wasn't thinking um, mechanically. And that's one of the big things I believe in putting is that when you have a good setup and you have a good routine, you look at the hole, you come back to the ball, and you go. You don't sit over and think. And at the end of uh, his first round, he had 21 putts, and he made seven birdies in the last 11 holes. He just started, you know, just got into that mode that they sometimes find. And, I, and he got done, and I said, so what were you really fo focusing out there? He said, nothing. He said, my mind was so clear. I saw the hole, and I saw the ball going into the hole, and there was not another thought. And I think so many amateurs and professionals – get caught up mechanically on path and face and this and that, and they, they just lose the hole. And you never putt well when you think like that. So then uh, based on that and this, this wealth of knowledge that you have dealing with these top flight players, is there any uh, suggestions or tips, especially now as we uh, head into winter here in Chicago, are there any uh, suggestions or tips for uh, a, say, a 15 to 25 handicapper to practice and improve their putting over the winter. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, don't go buy a putter. Like people that putt bad, they're like, I need a new putter. That's typically a mistake, and it's a waste of money. Um, and some people need a new putter, but if you buy it without professional help, then you're just throwing money into the wind. Um, so before you go buy another putter, 
get a lesson, and a putting lesson isn't a tip. It's a video lesson where you videotape the player's putting stroke and you look at it just as intently as you would the golf swing and figure out what the mechanics of your stroke yield. I mean, every putting lesson I give, I put the camera right down at the putter head and I look for contact. You know, I look for the face angle. I look for the path. I want to see if they're contacting the toe or the heel or the center of the putter. And then I look back at the player and try to figure out what's causing their stroke to do what it's doing. And then I make setup changes. And so that type of putting lesson just really does yield results. And as a part of that process, maybe you figure out your putter isn't correct for you, and then you need to make a purchase. But it's educated, and, it, and you're not just doing it randomly because you're putting poorly. That's the mistake. Put, I putted bad. I'm going to go buy a new putter. Well, like some putter is going to fix your, you know, your putting stroke. It's, a putter's never going to fix a player's putting stroke ever. Well, I think that's, that's definitely great. A great uh, philosophy to take and certainly would save a lot of people, um, you know, in terms of what they're looking for and, and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, so I guess I have one final question. I ask this all the time of people. Uh, just because of the fact that we're so blessed here in Chicagoland area, we have so many great courses, both public and private, um, in addition to the places that you've instructed at, what are your, some of your favorite um, courses in the Chicagoland area, both public and private? Well, Private is by far um, Chicago golf. I mean, that's the number one golf course to me in Chicago. And then second, believe it or not, is Conway Farms. And, I, and I'm biased. I was the director of golf there, the founding director of golf. But I've just I've played it every year and watched it develop, and I just think it's one of the great tests of golf because it, it, you test you know, your entire game on that golf course, which I really think is, is cool. And then um, I'm also a big fan of Shore Acres. And then there's just a litany of golf courses. I mean, Skokie and North Shore Country Club and, you know, uh, of course, um, Butler National. I mean, we're so fortunate here. And then publicly, I think the Glen Club is, is just an awesome golf course. When I look at that golf course that Tom Fazio built, and um, I look at that it was a flat airfield, and you play it, and you would never guess that it moves so much dirt to build that golf course, and it looks like it's been there forever, and it's got great undulations and vistas and views, and it's, it's really a fun golf course to play. So I think that that would be my number one choice for public golf courses. And, you know, and then, you know, of course, Cog Hill is fun to play. Um, I think that, um, you know, I'm fortunate to be at White Deer Run. It, for, it's a price point. It's a nice price point, but we really keep the greens on, in great condition. And, um, you know, I mean, I've been there for 17 years. I wouldn't be there if it wasn't a really good representation of the, of the quality that, um, of where I want to be at. This has been the Chicago Golf Report podcast. Visit ChicagoGolfReport.com right now for exclusive discount offers, Chicago golf news, and in-depth event listings.